Hello, everyone, and welcome to another off-season edition of Flyer Buzz here on PhiladelphiaFlyers.com. Flyers Radio 24-7, Brian Smith along with Bill Melcher as we bring you up to speed on some of the things that have gone on with the Flyers so far this summer and uh, talk a little bit about these developments. Not a uh, obviously a busy time of year, but there certainly has been some goings-on with the organization since the draft, a couple of free agent signings and uh, the development camp as well. Uh, that came and went right before the uh, 4th of July weekend. Bill, we haven't had a uh, chance to sit down in this forum since the, uh, since the draft, um, but uh, we'll, you know, we'll certainly touch on that in a little bit. But uh, focus first will be on, on James Van Riemsdyk as he returns to the Flyers on a five-year contract, uh, six years after departing in the trade that brought Luke Shen uh, to Philadelphia. And uh, he's had a pretty good run in Toronto, did Van Riemsdyk. Uh, you know, I think at least 27 goals in every full season, not including the lockout shortened year in uh, 2013. Uh, coming off of a 36-37 goal season, a pretty good year for him last year, and uh, going into a free agent year. Um, you know, a lot of folks uh, look at what you've done, you know, recently, but the whole body of work for Van Riemsdyk was pretty well, pretty good in Toronto, and uh, you know, it seems like uh, a good fit here in Philadelphia for him to come back. Yeah, and uh, you know, it's not a it's not a nostalgia trip. There, there's a, there's a fit there. Um, JVR fills a need in the lineup and the flyers were a good fit for him you know but reportedly there were i believe 11 teams that put in offers on him so he had his choice of places where to go um the flyers identified him as their as their number one priority in the offseason to sign um jvr had said to me that the flyers were actually the first team that contacted him and they you know they were persistent and, um, you know, Claude Giroux contacted him. He also spoke, I believe, with uh, Jake Voracek as well. So it was clear the Flyers and, and, you know, some of the guys he knew from his first time around wanted him back. And, again, the, the, the fit there is, is a good fit. I mean, the Flyers needed more scoring in the wing. They needed a little bit more size. Um, and JVR is a guy who, you know, I, I think in, in some ways, you know, he, he's somewhat the same player he was here before, but he's a better version of that. You know, I, I think that um, there was, as you often see with young players, it takes a little while to find, you know, to find your identity, to find some consistency, and find what really works for you in the league. And, you know, JVR has become uh, one of the NHL's best scorers around the net, you know, particularly off to the side of the net. Um, he, he will fill a need and, you know, he'll, he'll be able to fill a need in the power play. He'll be able to play in the top six. Whether you whether you occasionally move him up to the top line or play him play him with Nolan Patrick or however however you want to do it, it creates creates a whole lot of possibilities. And listen, I mean, it, it never hurts when you add a, a guy who can score you 25, 30, sometimes thirty plus goals a season. It costs you know it costs some you know some cap space which the Flyers had, but but no no assets. All the youth is still in the system coming up. So there's there's nothing but positives out of that signing. I have to think that some of the, you know, whatever criticism there was directed at the Flyers for the signing is, is only there because he played here before. Uh, I think if you look at James Van Riemsdyk as a, just a player and forget the fact that he was drafted here and, and played three years here, if you had just looked at it from a, a, an objective standpoint as just another hockey player, the fit is definitely there. Um, you know, Flyers have needed size and scoring on the wing for – for some time now, um, so uh, you know, I, I don't think there should be any concern there that uh, you know that, that that anything from six years ago is gonna you know still still 
any concerns from six years ago is still going to be there because uh, you know that just it's a long time. Oh, absolutely, and there are I mean there are a few guys here who who we played with, but it's it's a different team, different coach, different system. You know, when he was here before, it was uh, you know Peter Laviolette was the coach. It's a very different hockey team now. And again, you know, Van Riems like had his pick of uh, of ten, eleven different teams. It, it was the fit was right, as you said, the the size, the scoring. It was really, you know, it was really a mutual fit. It had it had nothing to do with where he was originally drafted. And I was looking at the whole situation and thinking back to six years ago, and um, you know, very different time back then. Uh, the Flyers uh, at that time were were good up front. They were desperately looking for help on defense. The team was still trying to figure out how to replace Chris Pronger. Um, and, and at the time, it looked like a, a good deal for both sides. A couple of uh, very, very high draft picks that perhaps could benefit from a fresh start in a, a different uh, setting. And obviously, things went a lot better for Van Riemsdyk than they did for, for Luke Shen. But what struck me as I thought back to that deal is that that's the kind of deal that I'm not sure would ever be made in the first place with Ron Hextall at the helm because of how adamant he is of you can't give up on young guys, can't give up on young guys. You know, you, you, you have a guy that has a bad second or third year in the league and you, you trade him, well, you know, a few years from now you might be looking back on that and wishing you hadn't. And obviously the Flyers probably were in that situation on that trade. But, uh, you know, just the, the, the new philosophy, uh, I'm not sure that trade ever happens uh, back then. No, and, and it was, as you said, back then it was essentially youth for youth. Um, you know, Luke Shen was was still a young player himself at the time, as you said. Also a also a high end draft pick, you know. I mean, the the hope for Luke in in Toronto, uh, you know. I, I think that uh, one thing I don't think you would see certainly Ron Hextall is Luke Shen was rushed into Toronto's lineup, mm-hmm. you know, at eight, at eighteen with all kinds of expectations on his shoulders. You know, when uh, I remember him being drafted and saying, on these broad shoulders, they're the hopes of you know, <laughs> the Maple Leafs and comparing him to Adam Foote and all, all that. You know, and he probably wasn't ready for all that. And I think it, it may have stymied his development to, to some degree, but also the, the league continued to evolve. You know, uh, I, I, I always thought that Luke Shen was, you know, a little underrated in terms of his um, – he, he, I always thought he made a pretty good first pass out of the zone and – you know, obviously brought the physical element, but you know, Luke's not the fastest guy, and the league got faster. You know, it was definitely not a uh, definitely not a trade that worked out particularly well for the Flyers. You know, a, um, JVR was coming off of a, a bit of a down year in his third year. Um, had scored 20 goals the second year, had that big playoff run, if you remember. You know, that against Buffalo, and especially that series against Boston. I mean, nothing went right in that series against Boston, but JVR was the bright spot for the Flyers. So it created big expectations for his third year. He didn't live up to them, and then, you know, then he was moved on. It ended up being the best thing, I think, for his career because at the time, you know, I don't think there was the spot in the lineup for him that he ended up playing for the Flyers. I mean, the Flyers had brought in Braden Shen at that time, you know, uh, Wayne Simmons had taken off pretty quickly in, in his first year. Voracek was ready to move up in the lineup after Yarmir Yager's one year here. So moving him on to Toronto, you know, he uh, particularly went through a few lean years with the with the Maple Leafs, but he got to play a lot on, on the top line. I mean, sometimes sometimes they even had him at center on the top line because he never had a great playmaker with him. So to you know to put up some of the goal totals that he did, where he became a thirty goal scorer, became a guy who played on the top power play unit. You know, became a became more of a go-to guy, a central guy in their lineup. 
you know, now he comes back. He's in the maybe the later part of his prime, but still in his prime. And uh, you know, he's he's um, I, I think he's a uh, a more uh, he's definitely a more mature hockey player. But I also think he's more of a take charge player than he was before. Now looking at the other uh, signing the Flyers made around the free agency period of a, a new a new body and, and Christian Foline coming in as a right-handed shot defenseman, uh, a guy that uh, came out of college, signed as a free agent, took that route to the NHL. The Minnesota Wild ended up with him. At the time, it was talked about that the Flyers were uh, perhaps finalists for his services, uh, but he ended up in Minnesota, spent four years there, and um, then uh, uh, in, in Los Angeles before coming to Philadelphia. Tell us about uh, his game. Uh, obviously, the Flyers were looking for an additional right-handed shot on the blue line uh, in whatever form they could get it. Uh, there was talk of, of John Carlson, um, obviously uh, way too high a price tag probably for uh, the Flyers liking, even if he had made it to free agency. Um, other names uh, bandied about during that time, and then Flyers end up with Christian Foline. Tell us about his game and uh, what fans are going to see from him. I think that you know, in terms of what Ron Hexel was looking for, unless he could make a definitive upgrade, he was talking about how, you know, there were there was a line there, uh, in terms of where they might give a guy term. Uh, I, I don't think, you know, Feline was above that line, and but he but he fit in in terms of, you know, first of all, it's a one-year contract. It's a one-year contract at at, a, at a, an affordable price. It's almost a, uh, you know, it's almost a prove me kind of a contract for him because he'll be unrestricted again next summer. He was, uh, you know, he was a semi-regular for uh, for L.A. this past year. Um, the year before that, he had a pretty good year with Minnesota. Uh, you know, I think the boxes he checks are that, um, as you said, right-handed shot, pretty good size, um, brings shot blocking, kills some penalties, um, has a bit of a physical dimension to his game. You know, plays a pretty pretty simple, straightforward game. Makes makes an adequate first pass for you know an NHL level guy. Um, put up some more points at the collegiate level. It's not uncommon for you know a guy to have to recast his role. He's not, you know, he's not going to be a dynamic offensive defenseman or a uh, you know a guy who's going to put up big numbers in terms of the the puck possession stats that a lot of people look at. You know, he's uh, more of a specialist of playing without the puck. Um, good along the walls, strong in front of the net, and uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I think his default role coming in is maybe the seventh defenseman. But he could be part of that starting six mix, particularly if you know, particularly if Rocco Gudas falters or if Gudas gets injured, or you know, you know, he could be a guy who ends up playing the majority of the games during the season, possibly, or he could be a guy who plays, you know, 35, 40 games. It really, it really uh, depends on how he plays, how other guys do, and how injuries shake out. But it adds, it has a second right-handed option. It adds a little more size and physicality. And again, it's only a one-year thing, so that was kind of what they were looking for. Other than that, the Flyers have just been taking care of business with their restricted free agents, uh, buttoning those guys up, and that's going to continue here uh, over this uh, next little bit here of the summer. Um, obviously, coming down the road, we don't know what's uh, what, what might be there, what might not. Uh, a lot of times you get to camp and you see guys coming in on tryouts and, and things of that nature. Uh, what, if anything, do you think might be um, you know a hole or a, somewhere in the lineup or organizationally, whatever, any sort of uh, spot that the Flyers might still look to fill or bolster uh, in free agency. Well, there there's still a couple of needs, you know, in the lineup. Um, it's 
doesn't look like there's going to be a uh, another bona fide top three, top four defenseman that's out there on the market. I think the group that's there now, they're going to be looking for, you know, I think Travis Sanheim in particular to take a bigger bite of the uh, of the lineup this year and, and um, you know, add some consistency to his game. There were there were always there were flashes of it his first year. Hopefully Robert Haig continues to grow, you know, and, and they'll with them occupying top six roles and then seeing coming up from the farm, guys like Phil Myers, you know, maybe Mark Friedman, you know, and uh, when he gets healthy, Sam Moran, seeing some of, them, some of more of the youth incorporated in the blue line. I, I think where there's some opportunities, uh, the Flyers have looked at some guys in terms of uh, the third line center role. Um, I think right now the inside track to that is probably Scott Lawton. Uh, I know some people say Morgan Frost. I think the organization's feeling is that unless Morgan comes in and just blows everybody away in camp, I think think it's more likely Morgan plays one more year with the Sioux Greyhounds but uh, the the talent level to be an impact player is there and, and it wouldn't be the you know wouldn't be unheard of for Frost at 19 to come in and take a job but he's got a little bit of a, a climb to do that this year um, you know long term very exciting future um, so possibly if the Flyers see a need for third line center there there's an opening there and also I think they're looking for another penalty killing forward um, you know, right now the personnel is the same. The PK has to get better than it, than it was last year. The Flyers want to at least get it to uh, 80, hopefully over, over 80% this year. You know, if you keep all the personnel the same and, and they've, they've lost um, Val Philpola, who was a regular on the PK. So that's that's one thing. You know, I, I think that uh, I think that filling that PK kind of role might be where you see a tryout guy. There might be a guy who's still sitting around free agency later in the summer where there's a there's a bargain deal that's available you know and, and you know and maybe uh, you know maybe a guy like Taylor Lear who's still unsigned to this point but maybe a guy like Taylor comes into camp and steps up from where he was last year but but I do think that that's where they're they're going to be looking and just to wrap up this sort of segment uh, before we move on to some of the other goings on with the Flyers this summer Obviously, every other team active in free agency as well. There's been a couple in particular in the division. Uh, the New York Islanders are going to look way different. Uh, departure of John Tavares and addition of uh, Lou Lamarillo, I guess, is the biggest name you would say. Uh, and uh, Barry Trotz going to coach that team. Who's going to play for it? I don't know. But uh, uh, then you've got the uh, Carolina Hurricanes revamping their defense. Uh, Cam Ward's been there um, for 13 years. He's gone. Um, what, uh, what, what team in your mind, uh, kind of improved itself the most, I, I guess, uh, if you, uh, like the Tavares signing, uh, not counting the Maple Leafs, which obviously that's the biggest free agent signing sure. of the summer, but, uh, overall, maybe in the Flyers division or a team, the Flyers are going to have to deal with regardless uh, at some point during the season to get through, uh, to a potential conference final or something like that. Uh, you know, what, what, what team has, uh, kind of, uh, really changed things for the better, you think? I, I do think. Carolina's continued to build their blue line. Calvin DeHaan was a was a really nice addition. Um, uh, I mean, he got a lot of money, a lot of term for a guy who's had some injury issues. But if DeHaan is healthy, he's he's a quality NHL defenseman. Um, their blue line is pretty stacked. I like their forward group anyway. You know, Rod Brindamore is moving over from assistant coach to head coach, but but he knows the group there. Um, you know, and it's still possible the guy like Jeff Skinner might get moved, but they have a, you know, they, they have a decent forward group, a very good blue line group. If they get the goaltending, that that's the question with Carolina. They, they signed Peter Morozik who the Flyers were not re-signing. 
So they have a tandem of Mrazek looking to bounce back and, and Darling looking to bounce back. That's that's the biggest question mark with that team. But they're they're not that far from being a playoff team. They made a they were kind of in the race till near the end this year. They're a team I could see making a move up. Um, you know, we'll see what happens with Panarin and Columbus. To me, Col- Columbus is a team that's always kind of laying in the weeds. Nobody ever talks about them up with, uh, you know, up with the Penguins and Capitals. But, uh, you know, they're a team that particularly in the second half really took off last year. And they've been a team that's been near the top before. So Carolina, you know, Columbus rather is a, is a team that I always look at as being a team that could, could challenge near the top. Other than that, I, I, don't think, I don't think the Flyers' rivals in the division necessarily got better. You know, I, I think obviously we talked about the Islanders. You know, the uh, you know the Rangers are rebuilding a little bit. Um, you know, the uh, the Islanders. I love what they did in the draft. That's uh, but that that's a long term kind of a thing. Um, you know, and and the Capitals. They have a change behind the bench. Um, you know, a little bit of personnel change, not a ton. Um, they haven't really added. And um, you know, Pittsburgh. I mean, they're. Biggest move, I guess, this offseason was was Jack Johnson, and that's a uh, that, that to me was a kind of a, a, a head scratching signing for the term that they gave him in the contract terms. But uh, you know, but I I, I think that uh, you know I, I think that the Flyers coming out as a ninety eight point team this past season, they're right in the mix again. They've added JVR. They haven't they haven't lost any major pieces. You know the the most major piece, I guess, being Phil Blood and seeing how that role is replaced. But that's a that's a role guy. That's not a central guy. So, you know, I I think that on paper the Flyers are right in the mix again to be, you know, maybe not for the maybe not for the first spot in the division, but for anywhere two, three, four. I think the Flyers could could push for one of those spots. So let's move on now to uh, kind of the future. We haven't talked since the draft. Uh, I know that you've been uh, busy. Uh, with um, stuff on PhiladelphiaFlyers.com uh, since the draft. But uh, real quick, give us your overall synopsis of the draft. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on the body of work in general by Ron Hextall and Chris Pryor and their staff and uh, uh, what they were able to add to the cupboard over the uh, course of two days there in Dallas? Well, I, I think that um, anytime you get, you know, ideally you want three or more guys who play in the NHL. To me, the key to this draft is Jay O'Brien. Um, I think it's pretty good chance Joel Farabee is going to be a good NHL player, um, and a good, good, good all-around NHL player. You know, when you when you talk about O'Brien, just in terms of he didn't, you know, he didn't play at a very high level of competition. He played at the high school level, played for Thayer Academy, um, where Tony Amante went and um, Jeremy Roenick went, and actually Amante was uh, Jay's coach there. But if you talk to the people who who scouted O'Brien. You know, extensively, you hear some of the comparison names of his talent level that are put out there. You know, and that's not to say he's going to be the next Ronick. It's not going to say he's going to be, you know, the next Zach Parisi. But those are the guys out there whose talent level he gets compared to. You know, if you end up with Farabee and, and O'Brien as impact players in the draft, anything you get above that is gravy. You know, I, I think if you look at the rest of it, well, I mean, you have, uh, you know, you have some interesting picks. They, the re- Much of the rest of the draft was in filling out defensive depth. Um, Adam Yinning, to me, is a, you know, was a, I know Hexy hates the term safe pick, but I think for 50th overall, I think he's got a good chance of being a top six NHL defenseman. Um, he plays plays shutdown role for the Swedish national junior team. Um, he was Adam Buchus' partner at the under-18 Worlds. He was the, you know, uh, 
Uh, Yinning was the shutdown half of the pair. Uh, at age 18, he's already a regular in the SHL, the, the top league in Sweden. So, I mean, he's a, uh, you know, he's a player with a little bit of upside to him, even if he's not a real top-end guy. You know, that's a guy who I think you could see slotting to an NHL blue line. Um, I said the rest of that are, are depth picks, and you see how they work out. You know, they, they put in a couple of uh, steady two-way defensemen in there, um, a, a Swedish forward with size where they got in the seventh round, Marcus Westfeld. He's kind of an interesting dark horse late in the draft. So you see how those picks work out, but um, you know, but to me, to me, the real key to this draft is: do you get you know two impact guys, or an impact guy and a role player? Or however, the, however those two first round picks work out, if they both click, then then anything over and above that is just just a bonus. I was curious as to your thoughts on the whole O'Brien situation because um, you know he was not on the the public draft rankings that are out there as being a, a low first rounder or almost a mid first rounder really at 19 but uh, it's no secret that every team ranks players internally um, their own way uh, and they all do it differently and the Flyers obviously had O'Brien ranked much higher than that um, which uh, you know when, when that happens folks kind of look around and say well do they do they know what they're doing do they know no. something nobody else does but what we kind of learned after the fact just you know i don't think it was ever, ever out there anywhere but just rumblings at the draft was that uh if the flyers hadn't taken o'brien there there were two or three other teams in the next five picks that would have believe so, so the, 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 yeah, there's something yeah. with this guy that yeah. a lot of people liked yeah the the new york rangers um who had numerous first round picks were mm -hmm. apparently going to pounce uh with with one of their picks in the 20s um and also also apparently minnesota had some interest in them around the 24th pick. Um, you know, um, guy I know who had been a, a scout for a little while with the Montreal Canadiens had him as a as a first first round guy too. You know, a lot of organizations. You know, the I mean, the Flyers the Flyers invest a lot of resources uh, on the scouting side. They have very good scouts around the USHL and and um, you know the even the U.S. high school levels. So I mean, the Flyers have good coverage, particularly. Particularly in that area around around New England, New York. I mean, some of those some of those markets, the Flyers get to more than some of the other teams. There were there were quote unquote safer picks that are there. They they had to have really liked O'Brien's upside. And again, if you, if you talk to people about where his skill level is, you know, um, you hear some pretty high end comparison players. So he's going to have to go and prove that at Providence college. He's not going to just get handed ice time. He's not going to just get handed a role in the world junior team. But in terms of skill level there, there had to have been something there. They really liked to take him to take him at 19th. Otherwise I would have traded down. So we could sit here and talk about every pick in the draft and this uh, little podcast would go on to about 90 minutes. <laughs> so we don't want to do that, but I did want to ask you about Marcus Westfall in particular, because I did see some things after the draft that, kind of uh, I, I found interesting about mm -hmm. him, uh, never having heard from him and knowing nothing about him, but that the Flyers got him in the seventh round, whereas a lot of places out there had him ranked somewhere in the fourth round. Right. Uh, and that was, uh, there was a, an article I was reading that was ranking value picks, and that was one of the highest value picks of, of the whole draft. I don't know if you know anything about yeah. his background yeah. or, or uh, you know what, anything that would corroborate that, but it seems like they might have gotten – uh, a steal there potentially that they could look at a few years down the road. Uh, no, he he is he's uh, he's all he's another guy who's already a regular in the SHL. Um, you know, plays for a a pretty good team over there. 
Um, you know, you actually one of the other picks this year, Samuel Urson, comes from the same Brennis system, same uh, same program that uh, that Oscar Lindblom came out of, um, same program that uh, Felix Sandstrom came out of. Uh, so it's a, it's a good developmental, you know, good developmental program they have there. Big, strong forward, very hard to take off the puck, very mature two-way player already. You know, not the fastest guy, not not slow, not slow, but he's not a speedster. Uh, physically, already physically mature, smart player, and uh, he's the guy who might even have some power play upside as a as a net front kind of a guy. Um, so that in terms of value picks that late in the draft, I I think that that's a that's a name to keep an eye on. Um, the Flyers have a a very good scout in Sweden, uh, Joachim Grundstrom, um, who's hit on some picks or, or some guys who look to be kind of on uh, on the upside. Oli Leeksell, for example was a guy who very quietly took a big jump, drafted last year. Never never even hear his name. But there's a guy who uh, took a big jump and is already holding his own at the top level over there. You know, I, I think Westfeld is a guy who, who might fall into that kind of a realm. I think Westfeld is a guy who might win a spot on the Swedish World Junior team. Maybe not as a, a first-line or second-line guy, but as, as an all-around player who, who plays a style of play that I think lends itself to the smaller rink better than the big rink game over there. So let's take a look now at development camp. Is just we uh, go to wrap this up. Uh, the camp was a little bit different this year. Uh, the uh, trial in the aisle um, and the team building stuff came first, and then the Flyers went on the ice for five days and uh, you know did the did the normal stuff. Uh, did the uh, you know the drills and uh, the the off ice things, and then ended with the three on three tournament. Um, I guess give us your overall synopsis of the camp. I know there were some. Guys that stood out specifically in the three-on-three tournament. Um, Felix Sandstrom had a terrific three-on-three tournament, um, but uh, you know, I don't know how easy it is to evaluate some of the other things they do in this camp. But what were your thoughts overall on on development camp and where it left some of these guys heading into the fall? Well, I think that for you know the, the real top-end guys, it's a uh, it's a precursor to continuing to train over the summer. The Flyers have a number of guys who are going to be in the World Junior Evaluation Camps, which are at the end of this month and the beginning of August. Um, pretty good presence on, on Team USA. Several guys from Sweden. Um, uh, Kirill Ustamenko, a Russian goalie, who the Flyers are quite high on too, was actually in, in camp this year. It's the first time we've seen him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've only seen pictures of him until this camp. Yeah. And I mean, he's uh, he's a guy who might be the you know, he's got a shot of being Russia's starter this year, if not if not the start, at least the number two guy. But he had a he had a great year in the Russian Junior League this past year. So I, you know, I, I think Ron Hextall takes pains to say that you know there's no evaluations that go on in this camp. Nobody, you don't want anybody peaking in in July or late June in this case, mm-hmm. particularly. You know, the the purpose of doing the camp so early this year is that they kind of give the players a little bit of homework to take with them. Whether it's working on their shot, continuing working on their skating, which would be the example with a guy like like Matthew Strom, and it gives them a few extra weeks in the summer to work on it. I mean that that's the biggest thing. I you know I, I think that um, you know everybody is enthusiastic. Everybody is missing hockey this time of year, so I think there's a little, little bit of a tendency sometimes to read a little bit too much into what you see in 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 these summertime camps. You know, it's a little different for for kids that are, are vying for a, a training camp invite, which is not the case this year. Um, last year, you know, there was there was uh, an invite or two. Uh, this year, everybody is already under the Flyers draft umbrella, so that that's not the case. Um, 
You know, I, I think what you look at really is more in terms of year-to-year development. Uh, Morgan Frost is uh, about 15 pounds uh, heavier than he was, or at least 10 uh, than he was at the time he was drafted. More of, more of a take-charge guy at camp this year. You know, last year, just taking in the whole atmosphere. Uh, Morgan's coming off of a uh, run, an OHL run, MVP runner-up season, scoring runner-up. So he's, he's a much more confident young hockey player than he was a year ago. Uh, Isaac Ratcliffe has developed a lot over the last year. I mean, that's really, that's really the things you look at, um, you know, and in terms of, uh, in terms of showing NHL readiness or whatever, I think you, I think you learn that in, in September and beyond. So here we are now with, uh, about what, five weeks till, uh, till rookie camp opens in early September. Yeah. Uh, it seems like it's a long way away, but it really isn't. Um, your thoughts on any uh, highlights coming the fans' way for these, uh, you know, these so-called dog days of summer when the hockey world quiets down a little bit, and uh, what folks have to look forward to uh, when that um, when that camp gets underway? Well, I think that uh, you know, barring any significant roster moves, any trades, any kind of any any signings, any you know, uh, training camp invites. Uh, the the aforementioned World Junior Camp, uh, with such a Flyers presence um, on the, you know, there, there's two guys for two guys vying for, for spots in Canada. Frost, who I think is a really good inside track this year after not making it a year ago. Um, Isaac Ratcliffe has a at least a shot this year, and if he has a good first half, you know, I think he's got a, a shot at making the team. Um, I think Joel Farabee will will has a pretty good chance for Team USA. Um, and then there's, you know, I will, we'll see we'll see with a guy like O'Brien is trying for a spot. Noah Cates, who we haven't even mentioned in this podcast, but Noah Cates is also in the USA camp. He'll be a uh, collegiate freshman this year after a really good year in the USHL last year. Um, you know, three guys, three guys participating for Sweden, and then they play that series of uh, exhibition games against each other. To me, that's something I'm looking forward to in the later part of the summer, and of course you hope nobody gets injured. Every, every year it seems like somewhere around the NHL someone gets injured in training and it throws a wrench in the works. You just want to get everyone to camp healthy. All right, well, we'll wait and see what happens. In the meantime, we do have uh, some things to come your way over the course of these summer months. Bill is going to be writing a series of articles on PhiladelphiaFlyers.com uh, covering the prospects uh, that were at development camp and uh, covering those uh, summer showcases and things like that. Uh, while the players were at development camp, I had a chance to sit down and talk with several of them for uh, a few minutes each, just about their uh, overall situation right now, how they did last year, where they're coming from going into the fall. And we're going to be presenting those interviews for you in the form of podcasts. The first one is up right now. They'll be here on the Flyer Buzz channel. Uh, the first one is up, uh, again, uh, that went up on Monday. And uh, the second one will come up next Monday. We're probably going to be doing these every Monday now for the next few weeks. And all these podcasts are going to link in with something that Bill is writing about these uh, these players. So uh, make sure you're checking back with us uh, at least the start of every week here over the course of the summer months, and we'll uh, be able to give you a little bit uh, more detail about some of these younger players that you may not know that much about, but uh, hopefully for the Flyers' sake someday you will uh, when they make the big club. So, Bill, thanks for uh, your time today, and we uh, look forward to chatting with you a couple more times over the course of the summer, but uh, until then, have a, a great summer month. You too, Brian. Talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, everybody, for joining us here on Flyer Buzz here at PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, and we hope you are having a terrific summer.